Kimmy, spelled K-I-M-I, or I think it's been stylized in some places. It's like all caps, Kimmy, because Kimmy is Kimmy. like a voice. No, we're not doing South Park. Yeah. It's a uh, a voice assistant, right? So the movie kind of starts with being like, how is Kimmy different from Siri or Alexa? Or I guess they don't even do like the Google thing. Uh, this is a kind of paranoia thriller directed by Steven Soderbergh. We already talked about him a little bit at the top of the show. Uh, yeah, this is his eight, his latest HBO Max release. He also released No Sudden Move, as we already mentioned, and Let Them All Talk last year and the year before. Uh, this was written and produced by David Cope, film stars Zoe Kravitz and Rita Wilson, and a few other a few other kind of familiar faces. I think that one of the that one guy was he the guy from um, Home Alone? Was he? Was he? Which I, guy? I got, uh, he's the neighbor who's kind of like watching her from afar. Oh, that guy. Uh, I was trying to remember where he's from, but I could not uh, pierce it together. I thought he was Buzz in uh, the whole That makes movies. sense. That actually, that would add up. Um, uh, also, Andy Daly is in this of movie. Of course, um, yes. Andy Daly. Yeah, Derek Delgadio. We talked about his, um, oh, yeah. we had his special last year. It was it a special. It was a really yeah. sort of an experience. Is, You're right. Uh, but this is his first uh, narrative film, I think, as an actor. That I'm aware of. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen um, him no, in I looked it up. else. I, his IMDb, I think, has only two acting credits. And this is one of them. The other one is an episode of Vegas. Oh, never seen uh, it. So, I don't know. I mean, Soderbergh traditionally is someone who likes to cast non-actors or people who aren't traditional actors. And I feel like maybe this is just me and I really liked his Hulu movie, but I felt like his performance left something to be desired. But it's such a supporting performance. Really? It doesn't really matter. I thought he was I okay. He was just, I didn't think his performance felt natural to me, but it wasn't like really? it took me out of the movie or anything. It just felt like... I kind of disagree because he opens mm. the movie, right? He's on like yes. a Zoom call and he's kind of doing like a CEO speech and it's so right. pained. And there was well, something that's why, about yeah. it where I was like, ooh, he's he's getting it. Like, I don't know. I actually felt, and that's one of the more important scenes of the movie because it, it sets the tone for a lot of right. the movies, but like that just, world building. So yeah, I kind of disagree with you. That feels like classic Soderbergh though, where it's like you're hiring a sure. non-traditional actor who's kind of giving a somewhat flat line reading, but that's to communicate kind of like the realness of it. You know what I mean? That's a very Soderbergh type of thing to do. I guess so. Okay, so the movie is it takes place during kind of like it's a post-pandemic movie how many post-pandemic movies have we gotten right so this movie is kind of assuming what if the vaccines have fixed everything (laughs) i think that's probably when he filmed this i don't know i mean yeah it's it seems like a a very like june 2021 type movie where the pandemic is still happening but people are acting like the covid's kind of on its way out i see it here They, they they were filming it in april 2021 so like this was, yeah, when the vaccines were coming out and, you know, originally those vaccines, they were so effective against the original strain of COVID that it's, you know, people were like, yeah, this is it. Like, we're not going to have to worry. This is way before Delta and all that. You know, and so, uh, mm-hmm. you know how I could tell it was that time period because mm-hmm. everyone was wearing cloth masks. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, come on. I mean, the cloth, the whole like anti-cloth mask thing wasn't until like much more recently. Right. I know. That's now, what I mean. But it just feels like, yeah, yeah. It makes it feel more centric to that time. Cause like everyone's right, just right. wearing cloth. And I, I mean, I liked the cloth mask until the CDC told me I wasn't allowed to wear them, but it just felt like, oh yes. <laughs> not saying you're not allowed to wear it. It's better to wear it than nothing, but oh, yeah, course, certainly, yeah. you know, but, surgical masks and N95s are superior. But it I feel like me, a lot of us knew uh, sure. I just, it just made me nostalgic for that time when mm-hmm. you were allowed to wear a cloth mask and you were doing your due diligence. And it's like, and also because COVID wasn't as tra- like before Omicron, right? It wasn't as transmissible. So like cloth mask was basically okay. Like you, it really did a lot of protection. Yeah. But nowadays it's kind of, it doesn't do as much. But anyway, 
all that to say, uh, this movie's kind of tackling like the trauma after the pandemic. And I actually think that even though it's kind of clear that it's not like our current sort of mode of pandemic, it actually, there were some things in it that I found pretty interesting about like commenting on how people are going to be able to get, like, get past sort of the anxiety around like going outside your home because we're following a character. She's agoraphobic and the movie implies that she wasn't very agoraphobic before the pandemic, but it kind of like sort of, you know, bottled up some anxieties that were already there. And so yeah. she's having issues kind of like getting out of her house and being right. able to like cope with, you know, moving on. And, and it's a weird movie in that sense, because I think some people would hear that and be like, well, it's not time yet to move on from the pandemic. People are still dying and all of that. Yeah. And I think that's totally like, I totally agree. But I do think that it's an, it's interesting to see a movie sort of beginning that sort of conversation, because at some point we are going to be able to like move on more fully. I think a lot of people already have moved on a long time ago, you know, for whatever reason. And I think that uh, this movie is interesting in, in how it sort of tackles that and how it can be like a, a difficult thing, it can feel like your life is in danger because this is more of a crime thriller. It's not really about COVID, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it the, the thing I find most interesting about it is that it's taking this narrative format of something like the conversation or the lives of others. I was or thinking of the conversation rear window, too. Rear window. Yeah, or, rear window and Disturbia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. But it's like taking that idea of like, you know, in the case of rear window, like a character has to be homebound, but it's not like they can't go outside. It's like there's like that fear of going outside, that social anxiety of being around other people, which I found to be a really interesting modern take on that story. And also, like you said, the conversation, taking the idea of like, we're just so naturally equipped to stuff. The services like Siri and Alexa, just hearing every conversation, the idea of privacy being dead and all this stuff, mm -hmm. but taking that to the conversation or the lives of other storyline where it's like, what's the thing that kind of infears? And it has like, I don't know, the commentary I feel here about like, uh, the lack of privacy and like, you know, big corporations taking into like, uh, you know, our private conversations feels like deliberately sort of murky in a way that I find kind of interesting. It doesn't really take a stance on it in the broad teams. Like, like it's like, okay to kind of hear private conversations in some respects, but not others. And I don't know that. I find is it really tight. though? I, I think the movie kind of firmly is anti that, isn't sure. it? Sure. I think in the long run, Although it, is, but it, it kind of it does kind of play that sort of card of like, hey, technology can be useful, like technology right. well, can help I mean. us get out of the problem that technology got us into, which. Right. But okay. like the crime wouldn't have been discovered if she wasn't listening to that conversation or didn't have access to that conversation. And that's like the kind of murkiness I find kind of fascinating with. The film. I, yeah, but here's the thing, though. Right. I like I like how it's not that black and white. Well, of course, that's it, what I'm you know trying what I mean? to say. It's, it's kind yeah, of gray, you said yeah. it's murky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. OK, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Because it's sort of like it's this mentality of like, yeah, yeah like privacy is dead and like all these terrible things are happening. It's, it's sort of like you're an active participant in something that's bad, but like you can't really change it by boycotting it necessarily. So like, you know, there is this sort of interesting avenue, a little right. bit of like a, a room for cinematic discussion around, yeah. well, if you partake, if you have to participate in this system, this like system that is very flawed and detrimental in a lot of ways, how can you sort of gear it toward good? And should you even do that? Should you just sort of like, I think this movie kind of implies that she shouldn't work for this company, right? I mean, that's kind of a given. So yes. <laughs> can, can I, can I say, I, I really like this movie. It's a good like, movie. I watched this. I, I I was like really into this. I, I think yeah. that it's it's tight. It, the structure is is right on. Like he escalates it. Soderbergh and David Cope 
I, it, it like I don't know. The pacing is really solid. I feel like we were always progressing. Something new is always happening. I was worried when the movie began and we were sort of getting to know Angela. I was like, oh, are we going to be in this apartment the entire time? And mm-hmm. no, like the movie actually gives us good reasons to get her out of that apartment without her character sort of taking shortcuts narratively mm-hmm. and in a way where I felt like I was with her and I really connected with her. Also, she has this kind of like fifth element kind of uh sci-fi sort of like outfit thing going on but like she the has blue, blue hair, hair. is that what you're trying to say under, no the blue hair and like she wears like the white tank top and like the yes. white shorts right and it's like it's ripping straight from fifth, fifth element right or there might be another movie that where uh, that's kind of a thing isn't it sh- alien well, has uh, a little bit of that eternal sunshine maybe is that what yeah. you're thinking yeah there, there are a few movies that kind of like dig into that and i don't know there was stuff like that where i was like this is unique like th- this is kind of taking well-worn material as we've mentioned and kind of twisting into something kind of i don't know kind of uh satisfying to just to watch this movie even if all the political stuff you're kind of like eh. yeah i mean i don't know i, I guess if i had one big complaint i, I kind of wish it died more into the politics of it but at the same time i kind of like like you said how nifty and how efficient it is as a streaming exclusive like you said Soderbergh is such he he has nailed filmmaking down to like a science at this point he has sort of a weird left brain mentality to filmmaking where he's obviously the editor and the cinematographer of his films in addition to directing them and I think he gets a script like this one and he's like I know what I want to do with this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to take you know this much concentrated effort to focus on this stuff and do this stuff but there is room for experimentation like for instance like there are a lot of scenes here where it's purely auditory and he has to find cinematic ways to explore that and it's kind of like um what do you call it where you like kind of like put the frame over the frame um what do you call that like uh where you lapse the frame um yeah there is a term for it that's escaping me uh and he like uh um he has like kind of like neat little flashbacks where you kind of get like very Soderbergh-esque shots. And, you know, also like even the apartment itself, like you said, like it could have been dull just focusing on one singular location, but he finds interesting little camera angles to take in there. They're all obviously very Soderbergh-esque and also communicating the social anxiety of being outside. And yeah, he just does very like stuff you expect from Soderbergh. They're cra- it, it's creative in its own way, but just feels very true to his style. And he knows what he wants to get out of a film. And he he's... Uh, of this league of filmmakers where he seems to be able to do stuff in like two to three takes and he's very efficient in that regard and he's still able to produce good stuff at the same time and yeah it's just he's a a craft filmmaker he just knows what he's doing he really even is. if i don't yeah even if i always think his movies are a level i think he's always able to make at least like a b level movie because he just knows what he's doing he's really good at doing that at this point this is turning out to be so far a really good year for Zoe Kravitz. I think that she really shines in this. I mean, I, I think that she sparkles in this movie. It's just sort of like, she she is a very well-written character, a character who is complicated. Her flaws kind of make sense to me, honestly, uh, in, in a way that like, I don't know, I, I just don't feel like she's a cartoon character. I feel like she makes sense to me. I could like meet people like her. Uh, this movie kind of, I think, I think kind of implies that she's autistic, right? Or she's on the spectrum. And they kind of like present it in a way where it's kind of like how they do with the uh, with the COVID thing. It's like it's part of the movie, but it's not about that stuff. You know, it's really more about these other things like the, you know, the crime element and sort of updating the conversation to be like, what if you like exist in a world where, you know, you we, we know people are listening like we know we have these speakers in our, we, our phones, every, like we know that like people are spying on us. And it's just sort of like this 
begrudging acceptance. Like you just kind of numb yourself to like the truth of that, you know, like that movies like the social dilemma are just like, yeah, it's happening. And we're like, yeah, we know. And then we just keep doing it. <laughs> and, and this movie is just kind of like, well, if you're just going to keep doing it, might as well try to solve a murder. <laughs> you know, and I don't know. There's just something I think, uh, yeah, the word, the word you, you described earlier is it's nifty. <laughs> it's, it makes for an entertaining movie. Yeah. I mean, the, um, the idea of her being on the spectrum was something that I wasn't really expecting going into this. It's something that I guess is somewhat vague in the film, but I know there's the, the little like puzzle piece um, uh, keychain that she has. And, you know, obviously she has trouble making eye contact with people. She kind of speaks in this sort of like blunt uh, in social manner and just like kind of little cues I felt were making it seem apparent that she was on a spectrum, but they didn't make like a big to do about it in a way that I feel like other movies would have made a finer point on that. And I found that to be really fascinating. And also it didn't feel like it cheap. Like they weren't like doing that for any like uh, um, cheap reasons narratively. I felt like it, her character is like efficient enough on her own. And that just added some extra intrigue to who uh, she was as a character and all that. So yeah, I definitely found that to be appealing and something that made me endear to the film more. But like we were saying before, I just think it already works on its own metrics. And I also just think, like you said, that uh, Zoe Kravis is just, you know, this, I don't know if it's her best performance, but I have to say it's probably one of her best, right? I can't think of a performance. Even from better hers. than Divergent? Come on, <laughs> Will. Well, yeah, because I was trying to, like, I mean, like, she's in, like, Mad Max and, like, a few other notable movies, but, like, I don't think about her Fantastic Beasts, X Men First Class. Um, she's good. <laughs> she has a little bit of a role. Like, she's okay in, like, Big Little Lies. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Little Lies is probably one of her best performances before this one, but I was just trying to think, like, all these other movies you're mentioning, she's in an ensemble, and this is yeah, such a good... Yeah, I mean, like, Gemini, she was kind of... Um, okay, I didn't see Gemini. She had a bigger role in that, right? I didn't um, see that one, so uh, I Didn't we I talk about it on the show? It's 2017. The one you mean, where... I mean, you might have talked about it. I just wasn't part of that conversation because okay, yeah. I didn't see it. She's but, in that with uh, Lola Kirk. Okay, yeah. I mean, I didn't see that film, but... I mean, I know she was like in Rough Night, which, you know, everyone yeah, has forgotten yeah. and all that. Uh, but yeah, no, this is a good showcase for her. I mean, just, you know, she's going to be Catwoman. We're going to see her oh, yeah. in like a month in the new Batman. That is true. You um, sound so excited. No, I'm excited. I just feel like I'm not like pumped for it. I'm just like, yeah, yeah it's going to yeah. probably be a good movie. Like, I'm not like, yes, Let's another Batman gritty, oh, dark finally. mystery movie or he's going to have time. Noir elements like who finally we find a, a movie that understands yes that Batman's the world's greatest detective. Who would have no thought? other movie has ever even considered Batman yeah. as a detective? I think it's going to be good. I'm hoping it's good. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen the and film this movie's obviously. good. Yes, this one's good. Yeah, I like. It. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's like we've been saying before, just a well crafted genre enthused movie that you know comes from a filmmaker who just uh if he's not at the top of his game just certainly knows what he's doing and is really just continuing to make consistently really solid films after really solid film and uh, i am also glad that he seems to be out of his cell phone phase not that those movies were inferior per se but i just i think i prefer a movie like this where it's clearly you know more cinematic in its presentation, even though it's only going to be on HBO Max. Like, it's clear that I, I just prefer this side of Soderbergh a little bit more. But, you know, he just, you know, no matter what he's going to do, I'm going to probably be interested in see it because, like, uh, it's very rare that we get a laundromat where he disappoints. And yeah. <laughs> even that movie has some, a few handful of uh, fans and defenders. And I don't it does. get them. I mean, it has its swings. Uh, 
Yeah, and I think I think this movie, I, I could see some people being like, ah, you know, it's nothing special or whatever, but I just think it, it moves and it's uh, it, it's solid. Like solid is the word for it. It's got, I don't know, it's, just, it's one of those genre thriller kind of movies where, you know, it has something to say. It may not be the smartest movie you're going to watch, but the fact that it's only 89 minutes, the fact that the lead performance is really just working and everybody in the movie is just kind of bringing it. I don't, I don't know. I, I got I got enough out of this movie where I just felt like I was like, yeah, like, this is the kind of thing that I do want from these sort of like low budget you know, straight to streaming kind of movies, like yeah. something this visceral, like if we're entering a stage of filmmaking where most of the stuff we're getting is sort of made for streaming service, it's like the new TV movie. Sure. We just don't really have a name, like a consensus name for it at the moment. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely one of the ones that I would certainly take over plenty of others. Right. So yeah. yeah. Give me more Kimmy. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, my main thing I just wanted to say other than that was just that I think we're in this very weird cinematic and creative phase where we obviously have to address the pandemic in a lot of projects but it's like you don't want to make movies about covid because you know like what you know it's not very cinematic to see a bunch of people kind of isolating and you know uh hand sanitizing oh, that's something else i love about the movie is a uh, her like way she like dries her hands with with hand sanitizers it's uh, i've been mimicking that all day just her way of drying her <laughs> hands right. with the uh, it's so good um it's such great uh physicality there but um yeah i I think we're at this weird phase now where we have to obviously address the pandemic and use it in a way that you know a movie like this where it heightens the paranoia it heightens the anxiety of the time but doesn't they don't put too fine a point on it like it's obviously there they address it it's something you can't ignore but it it doesn't take away from your like enjoyment factor we don't have to have like a five minute scene where we have to discuss the pandemic it's just something that the characters deal with and it's part of their lives, but it, it, I don't think it will Im- impede future people watching this movie from enjoying it because it just works as a solid piece of entertainment, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I'm very happy because I think Soderbergh is on a roll. I really, really enjoyed No Sudden Move. I really enjoyed this movie. I, I thought Let Them All Talk was solid. I thought The Laundry like Mat was unfortunate. But then before yeah. that, we had High Flying Bird, which I thought was also really good. So, yeah, he's he's doing he, he's hit after hit. You know, Logan mm. Lucky. You know, one of the first, I think that was the first Soderbergh movie you and I talked about on Cinemaholics. Yeah, we had, uh, really uh, didn't we have like uh, Maverick and someone else like not be in that movie's camp for some reason? I don't know. I forget why. Oh, um, yeah, because we had Daniel Craig on the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he of was course. Kinda, he was um, method acting. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was a little bit warmer on Let Them All Talk than you were. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think he's just really doing something. I didn't have significant issues with it. Yeah, I feel like the last thing of his I felt was like a truly great work of art was the nick which i don't think you've seen yet but um i feel like everything he's been doing with the exception of laundromat has been at the very least very solid and very worthwhile and i'm glad i see him and all that and i just think he knows how to make a really solid piece of entertainment and uh this is certainly no exception this is a good pulpy bit of streaming fun agreed all right i just looked it up so our Cinemaholics episode of Logan Lucky. So we're, yes. we're, this is episode right now, 259. Wow. This episode was episode 28. How about that? What a uh, time. <laughs> for sure. So yeah, this movie, we recorded it with Andy Herndon. Of, oh, yeah. Uh, he used to be on the D-Cast. I think now it's called Walt's Apartment. Uh, he, you, know, do you, know, you know what Andy's been up to? No. He, he has like kind of pivoted to like a hiking sort of uh, lifestyle brand. Uh, he he's like become a, like a total like hiker influencer. It's really cool. His Instagram is super wow. fun. 
Um, he, he lives in Port in not Portland, uh, Oregon. He lives out there, there and he, he goes on lots of hikes and he, he does a lot of content about that. It's really cool. Hmm. Wasn't he um, uh, going to film school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I don't know if he's still doing stuff like that, but, uh, I think, I think he's, he still makes stuff like okay, related cool. to the hiking thing. Yeah. Cool. Uh, this is an interesting episode because we also talked about the Hitman's bodyguard, wow. Wind River, season hmm. one of the Defenders and the Glass Castle. What, wow. a, what an episode of Cinemaholics. Yeah, Classic. go back and listen to that, I guess, unless <laughs> I guess, uh, if you want to if you want a time machine and just sure. see how see how far we've we've fallen, I guess. No, sure. Um, are we playing in the Round Tomatoes game? Is it time? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be no cinema score for this one, right? No, I don't think they do them for the streamings. Mm. Maybe someday. Uh, but we can do uh, Letterboxd and all that fun stuff. But OK, well, hmm. we have 58 reviews counted for Kimmy. Hmm. What do you think the Round Tomatoes score is? Uh six off 90% that's pretty high even for 58 reviews I'm actually I was I wasn't expecting that I would have guessed around where you did probably around 80 uh audience score 100 plus ratings what do you think um 72% 72% oh way off 52% off by 20 I didn't expect it to be that low I, th- I think people are watching it and maybe some of the like, because there's me too stuff in it okay. because of the COVID stuff. People are what? probably just like, Argh. why is she a blue hair? What the SJW? Why, 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 why don't they have a scene where they talk about why she has blue hair? What's up and with I, that? I'm looking at the Rotten reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and uh, yeah, Matt Donato, friend of the show, certainly yeah, recognized he, him on here. He, he wasn't didn't like it. it. 2.5 out of 5. Yeah, I was going to say. And I uh, love Matt Donato. So his take is fun. Yeah. I wanna, Kimmy, he says Kimmy zips and zigzags as a conspiracy thriller can feel detrimentally superficial despite Zoe Kravitz mm. giving it 110%. So we do agree about Zoe Kravitz being, it, yeah. being the hit. Uh, I thought you were going to say we agree that she's in the movie. That's We, we can all agree. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> Zoe Kravitz is the star of Kimmy. We're um, all united on that. Yes. Uh, I think we should have Matt Donato back on the show at some point. He'd be a good guest again. It's been but. too long. Yeah. yeah. yeah if you're we're listening. fans of Donato and Certified for God and, and Matt Monagle and those folks. Never yeah. had Matt Monagle on the show, though. That'd be fun. Bring him on. Why not? Yeah. More the merrier. Uh, okay. Mm. Letterbox rating for Kimmy. What do, you, what do you think out of five stars? 3.4. Very close. 3.3. That's okay. 22,000 people have watched it. So I think this is one of those movies that's going to find its audience over time. I think people are going to like, be like, oh, I, I kind of heard of this. You know, it's on HBO Max. We're going to watch it and, and maybe be surprised that it's as good as it is. You know, yeah. maybe not expecting like an amazing film, but, you know. Yeah. I'm very, very curious to see how this movie ages just as far as like the, sure. the COVIDness of it. I don't know if that's going to impede people, like I said, from seeing it. But it I just could. think it works on its own. Yeah, it could. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's the, the ticket. It's not locked down. It's not even like Pink Cloud. Oh, yes. isn't even trying to. <laughs> right. You know, it's it, well, it really is. Yeah. No, I, I was thinking a lot about lockdown because that's literally like a year ago, right? That was also an HBO Max yeah. exclusive, also star studded, also had like cameos from people zooming into the movie, literally phoning it in uh but in this movie and, and it's see, certainly yeah yeah and see that's that's the thing well right movies were made during the great depression movies were made during world war ii and yes. they address world war ii they address these big moments right and i think what comes down to them aging is a movie like casablanca which is about more than world war ii right, right. it grapes of wrath is about more than the great depression it's it's about sure. something else uh, yes. on top of that and uh that's why i think this thing is one of the ones that i could it could squeak through in terms of relevance so yeah i don't think it's casablanca or the grapes of wrath yeah but yeah i, get, no, I, I chose, get your logic I choose, yeah. I, those are just the first ones i thought of at the time period yeah yeah, yeah. sure but, uh, um <laughs> but yeah no i got your logic i get your logic yeah 